This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 96-inch. On this week's episode, we interview Mike Nelson of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and Riff Tracks. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch you don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Well, Ethan, we made it to episode 96 inch. Also known as episode 8 feet. And 8, of course, is my favorite number after 27. Oh, nice. I can understand having 8 as a favorite number. And my favorite number as a child was actually 8. And thinking back on it, it's probably because the house that I grew up in was number 8. But I also just remember thinking it was such a cool number. I remember growing up, I would get birthday cards that said you're eight, even when I was like two and three and four, just because (laughs) it was my favorite number. I thought maybe it was just because they were reusing the same birthday card over and over again. They really should have, and maybe they did, and I just never noticed. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's why it was my favorite number. They just gave me an eight card, and I was like, oh, why'd you give me an eight card? And they're like, because that's your favorite number. (laughs) who knows but anyway speaking of the number eight makes me think all the way back to episode eight inch not eight feet but eight inch where we interviewed comedian elliot chang and that was also the first time we ever did a top five list we ranked dare to be stupid oh yeah the start of those ever popular and controversial top five lists You know, another fun thing about that episode is that although we didn't actually air our interview with Elliot Chang until episode 8-inch, chronologically, Elliot was actually the first person that we interviewed together for the podcast. And if you remember, that first ever interview was extra weird because I was in the same room. I was in Elliot's hotel room and you were on the phone. So it was a very interesting choice for our first ever interview. (laughs) Well, episode 8 inch was a lot of fun. Episode 8 feet is going to be a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to episode 8 yard. Well, Ethan, I actually need to congratulate you, and not just for making it to your favorite number feet episode, but also this past weekend was a really big weekend for you on the Dr. Demento show. What an awesome weekend. Yes, so on Dr. Demento's official Facebook page, he puts out requests for songs, and last week I decided to request a song, and he played my request. Weird Al became famous for his song parodies. Ethan Ullman, co-host of Dave and Ethan's Weird Al 2000-inch podcast, suggested I play a parody of one of Al's songs. So I requested our friend, Patreon supporter, past guest, and podcast regular, Zeb Lemke's awesome song, Punkamon, which he did as a parody of Weird Al's song, Polkamon. I noticed that Dr. Demento said you were Ethan Ullman of Dave and Ethan's Weird Al 2000-inch podcast? Eh, close enough for me. Well, not only did Dr. Demento play your request, he also played one of your comedy songs that you recorded as part of your group, Ethan, Christian, and the Eligible Spatulers. Let's take a listen to that now. Ethan and Christian and the Eligible Spatulers with a new song called Petroleum Habit. That's Ethan Ullman, co-host of Dave and Ethan's Weird Al 2000-inch podcast, which I mentioned a few minutes ago. 
Congratulations, Ethan, for getting your music played on the Dr. Demento show. I'm not familiar with this Dave and Ethan's Weird Al 2000-inch podcast thing that you're also co-hosting, but as long as it doesn't interfere with your duties co-hosting Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, I fully support all of your projects. Well, thank you, Dave. I appreciate your support. Last week, we asked our listeners to share some of their favorite misheard Weird Al lyrics with us, and we got some really amazing ones. Our friend, Patreon supporter, and past guest, Allison Parsons, mentioned that the first time that she heard Couch Potato, the part where Al says, my butt is aching as I watch NASCAR racing. Allison thought he was saying, my brother's naked as I watch NASCAR racing. <laughs> <laughs> Which, honestly, you know, I can kind of see that. <laughs> I think I prefer how she heard it. <laughs> <laughs> we got another great misheard lyric. This one comes from our listener, Samantha Evans. And she said when her and her sister were younger, she thought that in the night Santa went crazy where it goes. And they say, Mrs. Claus, she's on the phone every night with a lawyer negotiating the movie rights. She thought that they were saying with her lawyer negotiating the booby rice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure what booby rice is, but maybe we can eventually get it served at Burrito Burrito. (laughs) (laughs) well those are great and it's not too late to share your favorite misheard weird owl lyrics over on our facebook group group group.2000inch.com keep them coming in and maybe we'll even mention them on the air in a future episode now this whole conversation of course got spurred last week when we were talking about daft punk breaking up and then dave you told us a story about one of jackie's co-workers mishearing a line in get lucky Oh, yeah. So the line, we're up all night to get lucky, was misheard as we're up all Mexican lucky. Ethan, you said you were going to take a listen. Did you get a chance to listen? Yes, I listened and I can definitely relate to Severin. When I listened to the version by Daft Punk, I could hear Mexican lucky if I really concentrated and listened. But when I listened to Al's version, and now that's what I call Polka, he just enunciated it way too well. I could not hear Mexican Lucky in that version. Yeah, I think it's easier to hear Mexican Lucky in the original Daft Punk version as well. All right, I think I know what the solution is, Dave. We need to give all of Al's polka medleys to Severin so he can hear exactly what is being said, but we also need to give him Al's other music so he can come up with other funny misheard lyrics for us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll get Jackie right on that project. (laughs) All right, well, before our interview with Mike Nelson of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and Roof Tracks, let's move on to This Week in Weird Al-Related News. Two-time Grammy-nominated podcast theme song writer Jim Kimo West has a brand new single coming out next Friday, March 12th. It's called Wahini O Moku. Jim describes the song as a cool, jazzy, acoustic guitar composition based on one of his own slack key tunings. It will be available on Jim's website store for download and for streaming on all the major services. On Monday night, Jim also took part in a live stream called Stevie Coyle's Monday Night Thing. Now, in addition to playing some of his own music, Jim was also asked a couple questions, including if he had any stories about working with Al. And so he said some of his most memorable experiences are when they're in the studio. And he mentioned how for Cavity Search, they brought in Al's dentist to drill a human tooth. And he said that the monitors were so loud 
and it was the worst sound he'd ever heard in his life. And I gotta, <laughs> I gotta agree with him there. That's a pretty terrifying thing to listen to. <laughs> Another one he talked about was he and the guys couldn't reach a high enough octave for Al in their background singing parts. So Al ended up bringing in a helium tank, but Jim said he couldn't remember which song it was. Do you have any ideas, Dave? Actually, I do. I do remember hearing this story. The song is Waffle King, and I don't remember how it came up in conversation before, but I do remember at one point that Bermuda actually shared a clip of the Waffle King song called Waffle Helium. (laughs) Wow. We're going to have to track that down. I would love to hear it. If you missed it, you can catch Jim on the replay. We've posted the link for free over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash 2000inch. There's a couple things this week in the world of Al in documentaries. And first up comes from our listener, Eric Rhodes. He let us know that the Sparks Brothers, the documentary by Edgar Wright about the Sparks Brothers that Al shows up in, now officially has a distributor and will be released later this year. Cannot wait to see it. If you remember episode 71-inch where we talked to director Vince Clementi, well, his documentary, The Palindromists, will be officially released digitally next Tuesday, March 9th. For more information, head over to thepalindromists.com. Now, we talked about Alan documentaries. We actually have a couple stories about Al in the world of TV. And first up, this is so exciting. On her Instagram page, Weird Al's wife, Suzanne Yankovic, posted a photo of Al zooming in to film for the Showtime show Work in Progress. Now, we know from season one, Al plays an alternate reality, sangria-loving version of himself. That appearance in season one should have secured the Emmy nomination and win for Al, but he got robbed. It sounds like his character is returning for season two, so there will be another chance. Now, I was watching one of my favorite networks, the Game Show Network, and on Common Sense, hosted by Joey Fatone, I caught this question. If you say Kenny G and Weird Al Yankovic are doppelgangers, you're suggesting what? They look alike, they are famous, they love fishing. Dave, do you know the answer? I think I would have got this one correct. <laughs> Doppelganger means they look alike. Ah, that's right. (laughs) Our friend and listener Jacinta Lang caught Al mentioned on yet another game show. This time it was The Chase. The question? Comedy musician Alfred Yankovic goes by which nickname? Do you think he would have gotten this one, Ethan? Oh, all right. Uh, Alfred Yankovic, Alfred. mm. We know he goes by the nickname Al, but I'm guessing they were probably looking for Weird Al as the answer. (laughs) Well, those are not the only game shows that reference Al this week. There was even a question on who wants to be a millionaire. Get this. So with his achy breaky song in 1993 and Party in the CIA in 2011, Weird Al Yankovic parodied both a father and a daughter with what last name? A. Sinatra? B. Tyler? C. Cyrus? Or D. Cole? Well, Dave, I think all of our listeners would have gotten that one right, because obviously Achy Breaky Song was a parody of Achy Breaky Heart, and Party in the CIA was a parody of Party in the USA. So, of course, the answer is C, Cyrus, for Billy Ray Cyrus and Miley Cyrus. Now, if you follow Al on Instagram, you may have seen last night he posted a video of Andy Samberg naming Eat It as the song that reminds him of childhood. And that comes from a video Andy recorded for a late show with Stephen Colbert. How awesome is that? That's really cool. Eat It is also a song that reminds me of my childhood as well. 
Our longest-running sponsor, Burrito Burrito, has some exciting news. Their vegan burger pop-up, Wizard Burger, is opening their own permanent location today in Albany. And for those not too familiar with geography in upstate New York, Albany is right next door to Troy, so you will have no trouble hitting both of them in quick succession. This week's episode is brought to you in part by vegan Mexican restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double-wrapped in a quesadilla Burrito Burrito. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito. Find them at burritosquared.com and at Burrito Squared on Instagram. And remember, not every burrito is a Burrito Burrito Burrito, but every Burrito 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 can be Burrito Burritoed. Last year, Dave, you got to try a Burrito Burrito at our screening of UHF with Jonah Ray. Now I feel like we need to do another screening just so you can finally try Wizard Burger. That was last year. That feels like that was just a couple months ago. I think we've waited long enough. It's time for this week's interview. Dave and I are absolutely thrilled to welcome on a former host of Mystery Science Theater and one of the inventors of the amazing Riff Tracks platform. Please welcome to the podcast, Mike Nelson. How's it going, Mike? Good. Hello, Ethan, Dave. How are you? Great. Thank you. We're doing great. Yeah, thanks for joining <laughs> us. <laughs> it is my pleasure. Yeah, we, as you mentioned, we talked off air. That's a, um, that's a term of art. You, you can look it up. It's, it's a very high <laughs> technical thing. But we talked off air that we spoke 10 years ago. Is yes. Right? Yeah. Back in college, I, I had a college radio show and I actually had a spinoff of that college radio show. It was called a news magazine show where we just kind of goof on the news. And my friend was like, we should see if we can get Mike Nelson on. I was like, I can get Mike Nelson on. And I did. And we talked to you for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. And it was awesome. It was a, a highlight of our college careers. Oh, that's nice. I, I didn't like I didn't have any bill o'reilly blow up or anything and i cursed at you and <laughs> no he's no. the gold standard for blow up so i just wanted to get that no it was it was excellent and uh, a treasured memory good, so good. so very happy to be talking okay, to you again <laughs> likewise so i think the 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 most obvious thing that we would love to talk about is you are one of the inventors of riff tracks, and I would love if you could explain that to people who maybe aren't familiar with riff tracks for some godforsaken reason. Oh, you run into it all the time. Trust me, it's that thing where if you walk into a room and someone says, "Oh, this is, uh, you know, this is Mike Nelson from Riff Tracks," you know that thing, and they go, "No," and then I'm like, "Oh boy, this is gonna be heavy lifting. <laughs> this is gonna be." And, uh, and then you say, well, you know, I don't know, years back, do you remember that show where the, there was a guy and the robots talking to the movie and there's a little silhouette? <laughs> and if they if they go no, I just go, ah, forget it. It's, just, <laughs> it's done. There's nothing I can do. Uh, so, yeah, Rift Tracks is just the sort of the evolution of what uh, we did at Mystery Science, which is just... Uh, you know, the art of making fun, uh, I guess, making fun with a movie, you know, having funny friends around to watch any kind of movie or short or any any uh, projected or screen entertainment and uh, and us making our wacky jokes on it. And we've done that <laughs> for many years now. So uh, just hundreds and hundreds of titles. I, I think if you go to Rift Tracks and watch just a, a sample, I think it'll say more than I could say. In, right. You know. <laughs> In, in an hour right yeah <laughs> well so obviously people you know they they will know you from mystery science theater as one of the hosts you played of course mike nelson very tough role it was I a imagine. stretch yeah it was a stretch. <laughs> yeah. 
So how, how would you say Rift Tracks is different than Mystery Science Theater? Well, uh, I mean, the main difference is just that we're able to do major movies. That was kind of the, the premise at first, where we did MP3s, where you'd sync it up to it. Always kind of thinking, there's got to be a technology where someday this will be automatic. Now, of course, we have it with yeah. with the uh, with our apps, and, and we're also on streaming services. So that that was kind of the the thing, uh, but really just like a free floating. What if we could do what we did at Mystery Science with anything, and then obviously it doesn't have the the fiction and the live action, so it can just kind of float around and be on all sorts of different platforms. So that's that's it in a nutshell. And uh, you actually worked with Weird Al on the movie Jurassic Park as Rift Tracks. I mean, how did that get involved? I mean, Jurassic Park, obviously, Weird Al has the song Jurassic Park, but was there more of a connection why you wanted Weird Al for that particular film? Yeah, I think in the, in the early stages of, of Rift Tracks, we just, I was, at the time, the company was in San Diego. It still is. I'm not in San Diego. We're kind of spread all over, as, as many companies are these mm-hmm. days, obviously. But um, so we, we, for the first time, had access to people who might want to take an afternoon and do something with us. And, of course, Weird Al came up uh, right away. Like, wouldn't that be fun to get Weird Al? Yes. <laughs> and I don't remember how we, I think we just kind of, you know, looked in the phone book like Weird Al. Um, <laughs> I wonder, wonder, wonder if he'd ever talk to us. And uh, somehow we got a hold of him and he did and he was very amenable and then, we set it up. We met at a studio in L.A., and uh, I've I've sort of I've been he's been sort of a work pal ever since then. Uh, we've we worked together on on a live show. We did that first Jurassic Park. But I think what we said was uh, we just said, "What movie would you like to do?" Oh, and, cool. Uh, I said we we could do oh, okay. pretty much anything, and and we probably maybe suggested Jurassic Park given the connection. And uh, and he jumped at that. Yeah. How much lead time? I mean, do you have you said, you know, they're come down for an afternoon, but I'm guessing that, you know, you send them a script or something ahead of time. Or is it just basically show up and let's record? No, we we kind of like to with with people who obviously have, you know, the track record of Weird Al. We're like, here's the here's the choice. You can work on it as much as you want or we can send you a pretty much completed script that um, you can you can just come into the studio and you know probably just read this uh, but I think with him I think we sent him you know drafts and things and he came in with with notes not a, not a ton as I recall I think he was pretty happy with uh, with what we wrote and yeah, uh, yeah so we, we like to be pretty prepared with it because we've after all these years, we've realized that we we can't rely on our own wit at the moment. We we have to we have to have a script, and uh, it it just works better with other people. I don't think there's as as many. We've worked with many many talented improv people, but the the improv on a movie is very tough because moments come and go so quickly, and you right. don't know what's going to come and go. Right, and so the prep is necessary, and then the prep also. Um, lets you make it seem like it's improvised, which is the fun part for me, is uh, to to make it seem off the cuff and make it seem not too staged. And so, uh, so yeah, he was he was amenable, and we I think we just handed him a script, and he came in with it with his notes on it, and we just uh, went through it. It was it was very easy and pleasant. I'm sure, as you guys know, he's 
well known for being not only a professional, but also just a very, very decent guy and fun to hang out with. Oh, of course. Oh, sure. <laughs> I'm curious about that, uh, the prep that goes into it. I know it's you and a couple other guys and there's a couple writers and, you know, there's there's a number of people on the team. But, you know, using Jurassic Park as an example, how many times are you watching Jurassic Park before you're comfortable with a, a general script? Yeah, it's probably it's not, uh, you know, go through it and and then go through it again kind of thing. It's more like stop and start. So okay. I think adding it all up, it's probably many, many, many like 40, 50, 80 hours, you know, watching Whoa. the thing just yeah. slowly because there's so much timing involved where if you, you have to kind of, here's my good joke. Um, I thought of the good joke. I put the good joke in. Uh, it doesn't really end by the time the thing that we're looking at goes away. So now I got to think of a new thing, you know, so it's just, it's a lot of, um, I don't know. It's like, uh, uh, for all you uh, chimney aficionados, it's like tuck pointing a chimney. You just you gotta like grind out the <laughs> the old material very slowly and meticulously, and then you gotta put the new patch in between. You know what I'm talking? Come on, we've all done this. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's very it's painstaking, uh, but then it's, it's super fun when you you have the script that's done that you can really rely on uh, in the in the studio, and then you can kind of mess around with it a little. Right. Bit. Right. When you're recording, are you watching uh, Jurassic Park? Oh yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. We're watching it with with the time code, and and that helps. We also put uh, kind of little visual cues in the actual script because there's a bit of a, a learning curve of looking at a script and then looking at a screen that's above it or next to it, however you have your, it arranged, and then kind of going back and forth between the two things. So it helps to just have both a a time code and then a uh, you know just a visual cue of you know the uh, dinosaur sneezes okay now i see my line so that, that helps so it, we have to assume that that you have been a fan of weird al since before recording jurassic park with him when did you first become aware of of his work i i i mean weird al is not unaware that he's been around and been in the public eye for a long time so i'll say it i i think I'm pretty sure I'm, I must have still been in college. So, that, I mean, it's just been my entire life that yeah. I've been aware of pretty yeah. much. You know, my entire adult life I've been aware of <laughs> Weird Al. So I, I, that must have been like early Dr. Demento days. Mm -hmm. You know, I would have been the kind of person who would have heard him immediately. It wasn't like I had, a, you know, 10 years in and going, who is this Weird Al chap? I'd like to hear what he's got. <laughs> I, I was probably in on the ground floor. Yeah. <laughs> Now, prior to working with Weird Al on Jurassic Park, had you met him or worked with him before? No, never cross paths uh, because, I mean, one of the things about um, working on Mystery Science was we really were, uh, we seemed like we were just goons from the Midwest and we really were. We just, we didn't really go to Hollywood that often when we did. It was just short trips where no one knew who the heck we were. We, <laughs> you know, we weren't doing, we weren't doing shows. We weren't doing... Uh, yeah, we just weren't, we were pretty much just producing the show isolated in a, uh, in a small office park in a suburb of Minneapolis. So we just <laughs> didn't cross paths with anyone, you know, which was a, a good thing for our comedy, but a bad thing for making any kind of connections. So I hadn't, uh, I had never met him. And I'm curious, you know, you said it was a collaborative process, you know, writing the scripts, uh, 
And uh, I do appreciate that you guys do work clean. Um, I'm just kind of wondering, you know, wh- where do you draw that line? You know, is there stuff that comes up where you're like, oh, I really wish I could say this, but it's just it's over the line. It's not appropriate. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We There's a lot of give and take with every performer and writer where everyone obviously has, you know, there's different thresholds and different tastes. We've kind of settled on a, on a way to do it where if, if anyone has any objection to it and we kind of call each other out. But one of the things that we rely on is like if there's any question at all, um, we can always write another joke is, the, is our philosophy. Like it's not you have to as a writer, I think that's the first thing you have to learn is because there's a lot of writers get married to their material. I think I was when I started out as a very young writer is like, oh, man, that was gold and they're cutting it. You know, it's like <laughs> just, <laughs> right. just write another one. You will write. I have now written uh, 800 trillion words. I, I think I can come up with a few more. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of our uh, philosophy is if anyone has any reason to think that it might not land the way we like or that it, it might you know cause anyone hurt or offense or whatever we try to uh we try to uh, skirt that line or be sensitive to that but at the same time it is comedy so at some point you are going to cause someone to be offended <laughs> or whatever well i mean I, I think most people know that our track record is pretty good so yeah if that uh if that comes yeah. up it, it's certainly unintentional and you know that's comedy sometimes someone's gonna <laughs> get hit with a beanbag now on that that note i mean obviously you know somebody's gonna be upset at some point now what was like the worst reaction that you've ever gotten like say from a director or maybe an actor that that was you know in one of your riff tracks or that you had a uh, riff on well luckily everyone's been in pretty good spirits about it where there's been sort of uh some of the directors of the film's can get a little, you know, like I get it. If you've worked, uh, uh, you, you know, the only thing you've done for <laughs> five years is to make your, your dream project and then it shows up on riff tracks and it's just <laughs> utterly trashed. I, I, I can't imagine that feels good. But in the same at the same time, we, we feel like we're pretty fair because if we weren't fair and we were just being mean, no one wants to see that, you know, so there's, there's gotta be truth in it. And there's also affection, I think as well. Yeah. Uh, all that being said, I would still go back to, uh, the Joe Don Baker incident is a very real thing. He, he did not like us. And, uh, (laughs) when we were doing mystery science, because we did a couple of his movies we've done a couple of them at riff tracks as well. (laughs) And he was, uh, we had heard through the grapevine that he wasn't a fan and I brought something up at a, uh, probably not smart of me, at a critics convention. I said, yeah, I think Joe Don Baker wants to kick my ass or something. <laughs> and so so every, uh, every good reporter there took down my quote and then called Joe Don Baker's representation. <laughs> oh. And uh, they confirmed that, yeah, yeah, all right, he's a little annoyed. <laughs> so... <laughs> So that was the only official, that was the official word on it. So, I would love to hear about your career and, and how it led you to Mystery Science Theater and then obviously eventually to Rift Tracks. Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, I, I started in, uh, uh, I started in music, classical music. I always thought I was going to be a classical music professor. And then I got to college and realized that I wasn't good enough. So, uh <laughs> 
I went over to the theater where any schlub can uh, do anything he wants over there. And then the the uh, the real theater, I, I dabbled in real theater for a while, and that doesn't pay anything, but it was, uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s, and comedy was really booming, especially in Minneapolis. So I just started doing open stages, and uh, they needed so many people that they said, Nelson, you know, go up to Fargo, North Dakota and perform at a small bar. And so I'm like, yes, sir. Uh, so I, I started doing stand-up comedy, and that's kind of when I met everyone who was uh, eventually uh, part of uh, Mystery Science. Wow. And it, at what point, you know, when Joel decides to stop being Joel, you know, how are you approached? And was it an obvious thing, or was it a surprise to you that you were tapped to be the new host? Uh, it wasn't really a surprise. I think that uh, all of the early episodes where you see Joel, I'm pretty much standing just out of camera range, you know, with the script, like going through notes and, and, and you know, suggesting things to say and doing improvs with all the other writers and performers mm-hmm. as well, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and then I had done, uh, I had done guest roles as, as, you know, characters and people floating in and out of there and so uh so yeah i i just kind of threw my hat in the ring and then we we actually went we auditioned a fair number of people and i think uh i somehow pegged the role and probably because look they don't want to pay a head writer and an actor you you got headaches so uh so yeah i uh, i stepped into that role and uh had great fun it was uh, it was fun because it was a I think a pretty even split. I think Joel did five years and I did five years. It was 10 years altogether that we did that show. Wow. You not only release audio tracks where you can sync them up with the movies, but you've also done some live performances and you worked with Weird Al live on stage for one of your live riff tracks as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that was in, uh, we did one, no, I think we did two live shows in San Diego and we did one with uh, where we just did a bunch of shorts and there was a musical one where these butchers <laughs> sang about uh, a pork. I think I think it was exclusively pork. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> if I if I recall, I did, they didn't broaden any farther than that particular meat. And uh, and I think we sent the short to Weird Al and said, "Look, you you come down in a limo to San Diego. You you know sit on stage with us and." you know, sing to a pork video for a couple minutes. Come on, who doesn't want to do that? And he was, he was gracious enough to, uh, to take, uh, take us up on that. So uh, that was very fun. It was that the same process where you had sent him the script ahead of time and basically said, show up and do this? Or did he come with notes for that one as well? Uh, I'm sure he probably had some notes for it. But uh, in general, he trusted us and we wrote... Uh, I think we wrote pretty well together and wrote for him. And, you know, all of our writers on on staff were, you know, big fans of his. Right. Um, (laughs) I will say there was one joke. I'll I'll tell a funny story about uh, about Al is that um, I had a joke for him. And I I'm afraid I can't recall the exact details, but the joke had an ambiguity in it where it could have been. Uh, dirty. It was not meant to be at all. Okay. And he just 
thought that it was. And I remember him just stopping, very graciously saying, uh, I don't think that uh, Weird Al Yankovic is going to read that line. And I, said, <laughs> I was very puzzled and I went, oh, okay, well, do you have another? Should I read it or whatever? And he's like, um, no, you, you go ahead, you read it or something. And then I went, oh, oh, I see. You think that it means this. And he's like, isn't that what it means? <laughs> and so I said, no, 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 no. I said, let's, let's rewrite. We're of the same mind here. Let's yeah. rewrite this thing so that it's, uh, and, the, and then we rewrote it and everything was fine. But he was like, you thought I was, oh, no, no way. So anyway, it was very fun. It took a couple minutes to sort out like, why don't you want to read that? I don't get this. <laughs> Is it that bad? <laughs> now, I came up with a list of some other uh, films and TV shows that you could riff with Al, and I want to see if you'd be interested in any of these. Oh, yes, please. Al, of course, you know, he has the song The Saga Begins, so, you know, you could do Phantom Menace with him. You could do the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. You could do an episode of I Love Lucy, The Brady Bunch, Beverly Hillbillies. Any of those sound sound good? <laughs> oh, I th- I think that to do uh, a Star Wars with him would, of course, be uh, that would be a joy, a dream yeah. come true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because the the beautiful thing about it, and nobody, the even my own staff does not believe this that uh, Star Wars is just it's not my thing. It's uh, you know, no offense to anyone who loves it. It's just not my deal. Yeah, uh, I know I should be in the wheelhouse for it. I'm of the age and everything, but it's. <laughs> But it's just not. And the beautiful thing is that when I'm done doing Star Wars, I forget everything that has happened in any Star Wars. <laughs> and then we'll do we'll do another one. And I will honestly say, I'm like the grandpa going like, who's that now? They're like, what? How, that's Darth Vader. How do you not know who that is? <laughs> what? Darth who? It's, it's an awful affliction. I'm not saying it's a good thing, uh, but I forget everything. So to do a, a Star Wars over, because we've done pretty much everything, yeah. uh, would, not be, would not be an issue for me. I would, I would not have remembered having ever done it. Right. <laughs> yeah, have there ever been films or shorts or anything where you've done multiple riffs for it? Yeah, we've, uh, we've kind of redone some things because uh, even Riff Tracks has been around so long. And there have been a couple films from the um, Mystery Science days that we redid, too, just because they kind of, for whatever reason, become available to us. And we say, yeah, you know, that one was a it was fun and be a fun to take a crack at it with a completely different, you know, script and different writers and different right. producers and right. different everything. So we have done that. Uh, you know, we don't like to do it a lot. You don't want to just keep doing right. the same right. material. But there's a couple special cases that we've done. And we've also done things where in the early days, I would just do a solo track, which is a far different animal. It's just me sort of talking like a madman in front of a a screen. And so bringing in uh, Kevin Murphy and Bill Corbett to do, uh, you know, just like a a real Riff Tracks version with with three people. We've done that on a few titles as well. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the Riff Tracks app, which I I was able to use recently with jurassic park and it's really amazing how it it matches it up and if you do pause it and it gets messed up there's really easy to adjust it and it really was a lot of fun and i understand you guys recently also launched riff tracks friends this is like a a streaming service you've got like 400 plus titles on there that sounds really cool yeah that was a thing that we've wanted from the very beginning is to 
kind of offer everything in in a subscription thing and it, it it's been weird the path that we've taken because in the in the very early days of riff tracks we said um hey let's do a, a live riff and have people buy a little digital ticket for that and uh and we'll do uh, live riffs online. And we went to look for a service that did that. And everyone's like, no, there's no such thing. Like, what? <laughs> so, we, so we had to kind of invent that. There was no syncing app, which we also thought was a thing. Like, surely people watch things together. And, and I guess we've sort of evolved along the way of, you know, like video games and video, you know, gaming rooms and watching games together and right. all of that stuff. So now the, the technology finally, like... 14, 15 years later is, is available. And so that's, and we now have enough, um, to, you know, offer a subscription where there's just so many titles, there's, there's so much stuff that you can find. So we're just happy to be able to finally do that. Yeah. That's so fun. <laughs> I was looking through some of the other guest riffers you guys have had through Richard Cheese, Paul and Storm, Paul F. Tompkins, you know, folks that I think uh, Weird Al fans will certainly recognize. Are there any people that you just like would love to have? Yeah, I mean, there's so many of our so many good comedians and and uh, improv people that yeah. I would love to have. I always thought it would just be fun to just have a, a just a major major celebrity and just see what they could do. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm, you know we we don't have the star power to do a uh, you know late night uh, comedy bits where we can get the greatest people you know the most famous people in the world. But you know, could George Clooney sit down and do a short? I don't know. I'd like to see. I I, I just think it'd be fun to do that challenge of who's funny and who's not. Right. You know what I mean? I would love to see yeah. <laughs> a star do their own film or a director do their own film. Has that ever come up? Uh, yeah, that has. We did, uh, is it on the Twitch channels? Uh, people who are in movies will show up and answer questions, but never fully riffed anything. Yeah. I, I would like to do that sometime with someone. <laughs> I think it's come up before. Yeah. And I think we've had some willing people, but... Um, it always gets a little tricky with schedules and all of that. Right. Uh, who's oh, who's the guy? Uh, Rock and Roll Nightmare. Um, you know, come on, that movie, Rock and Roll Nightmare. No, I kid. It's it's an obscure Canadian like horror <laughs> film. Uh, John Michael okay. Thor, who is in a metal band. He was on Twitch, and we 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 kind of raked him over the coals. <laughs> But he came on there and was a good sport, and people were so nice to him on that chant, like asking him legitimate questions about yeah. his career and everything. So it was very, it was very nice for him, I guess. He wow. loved it. Oh, that's so cool. So, Mike, over the last you know twenty plus years, you know, between everything you've watched on Mystery Science Theater and for Rift Tracks, you've had to have watched hundreds and hundreds of films. I just need to know: can you turn off that Rift Tracks and can you actually watch a film straight through without riffing it in your mind? Oh uh, yes, yes. I, I actually like to watch good movies. And uh, and then it's fun to just be able to go. Oh, I can just be silent. I don't have right. to worry. <laughs> the, the director's handling everything nicely. This is very well done. Uh, it's funny though. I'm the opposite of uh, our the CEO of Rift Tracks, uh, David Martin. We recently had him on a podcast and talked about. Uh, ironically, it was about books, but he. Uh, he said that he does not watch movies at all because in his day job he has to do this 
riff tracks garbage and so he really doesn't watch movies and i i'm kind of the opposite where i want to go see good stuff so right. i can just kind of you know do the shake the cartoon shake of the head go all right let's let's get done with that and let's watch something good now i'm curious about you know a lot of the stuff that shows up are usually bad movies. I know you're doing more mainstream stuff uh, with riff tracks, but what about comedy films? What about something like UHF? Would that just not work for doing a riff? Yeah, it it, it is difficult. Not that we haven't done sort of films that have comic tones, but are not full out comedies. Yeah. Um, I think I, I'll just, just one that springs to mind is... Um, Clint Howard, the Ice Cream Man, I think it's called, where he's like a, a killer ice cream man, obviously, um, <laughs> it, which is mostly trying to be sort of creepy, funny, and the funny moments they they're a little tougher, but people really liked our take on it, so it made us kind of go, well, I guess there is a way to do it, but uh, a good comedy and a full out comedy, I'm not sure what the approach would be, so we. We've stayed away from it mostly because they kind of stand on their own. And if they're if they're funny, then they don't need us. And if they're not funny, it kind of gets weird to just go, boy, that sure wasn't funny over and over again. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> right. That in itself is not funny. I mean, I can think of one example. I did go see it in the theaters. You guys did a riff on the Sharknado movie. That one to me is kind of uh, like a tongue-in-cheek comedy, you know, of what they're, uh, of all those uh, sci-fi disaster films. Oh, for sure. That, that was one that took a lot of debate for us. And we actually, we, we, uh, we met the producers who did it. We toured their, we toured their uh, studio and... Uh, they kind of talked us into it. They're like, no, we, we like what you guys do. We're we're just grinding these things out. Um, <laughs> we're, tr- we're Obviously, we're trying to be funny. Right. <laughs> uh, but but they were. Yeah. And so we, we said, well, well, we'll we'll take a flyer on this and we'll try it. And I had a bunch of my friends. We did a Sharknado show in Minneapolis, where I currently live. And uh, we invited a bunch of my friends to the actual live taping of it and i was you know most of my friends they don't they don't care or know what i do they're they're off doing real jobs <laughs> but they took a night away and so i was kind of nervous like because you know what have you been doing for the with your life you know is this it and uh, afterwards at this little after party bar people were just coming up to me going that was just the funnest thing that i've ever seen i now i get what you guys do and it was so uh, rewarding for me to go oh whew, okay so <laughs> you, you understood that we weren't you know that the, our take on it apparently landed with them i, yeah. I wouldn't want to do it all the time because it's uh yeah it is it's a little tougher to kind of ride that line with something that's being a comedy on purpose you, you right know, so sure yeah Mike, this was so much fun getting to chat with you. I really urge our listeners to check out RiffTracks.com. You guys have a great Patreon, patreon.com slash RiffTracks, and people can also subscribe to RiffTracks Friends. Do you have any upcoming films that you guys are riffing that you're just so excited about? Uh, we, we are doing, um, it's so funny, as we were talking about all these films that, uh, we we tend to be really scared of the the very 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 bad films uh, where we think like we we can't possibly make this 
Like we did this, uh, we one of our Christmas shows was uh, uh, Wizzo the Clown, who was like this local, I think he's Pittsburgh or something. If I'm wrong about that, people are going to kill me. Um, just a local clown, you know, a syndicated clown. And we uh, we found an old tape of him and we on our CEO said, I know this is so bad that you guys can't do it, but here, is there anything we can pull out of it? We're like, we're doing the whole thing. <laughs> and it became <laughs> one of our most, one of our most popular things. So we, we uh, were looking at a sequel to that, but the other wow. one was um, there's a, uh, a guy, I think he's still making films, uh, but he did a movie called suburban Sasquatch, which I think, think is technically unwatchable the worst thing i've ever seen <laughs> and our audience loved it so we're doing uh, a another one of his films uh, awesome. coming up so awesome. uh, I'm, I'm excited about that <laughs> oh that's so exciting mike thank you so much for joining us this was just a total blast getting to chat with you oh my pleasure great to talk to you both thank you mike what a fun interview We've now interviewed two hosts of Mystery Science Theater 3000 so far, Jonah Ray and Mike Nelson. So just one more to make our Mystery Science Theater Infinity Gauntlet complete. I cannot wait to rewatch all of my favorite non-comedy movies with riff tracks playing in the background. I just love <laughs> riff tracks so much. How awesome to get to chat with Mike Nelson again. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota a beautiful, it's also historical. Darwin, Minnesota is home to, well, Darwin, Minnesota. According to the Minnesota Historical Society, the village in sections 22 through 27 were originally organized by a party of surveyors from Dubuque, Iowa. Before ultimately settling on the name Darwin, the original name was Stella City, then they changed the name to Rice City. And then did they change it to Spatula City? Well, I'll never say never, but after Rice City, it was changed to Darwin. In honor of Charles Darwin, the monkey guy? Actually, for E. Darwin Litchfield of London, England, a principal stockholder and promoter of the St. Paul and Pacific Railroad. His name was E. Darwin? Do you think there's any chance it was actually Ethan? Well, unfortunately, he wasn't quite so lucky. The E stood for Electus. Uh, I guess he must not have liked the name. That's probably why he went by E. So what do you think they'll change the name to next? I think they should change the name to Frank. Oh, good idea. After our intern Frank? No, after episode 49-inch guest Marnie Farlow's cat Frank. I like that idea. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin, more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each week we are able to bring you this podcast absolutely free thanks to sponsors like Brito Brito, Angel Valenzuela, and his son David Cash, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, and all of our amazing close personal friend Patreon supporters, Allison, Javier, Kenneth, Jared, Zeb, Mark, and Blair. We also give thanks to Spunky Siren and everyone else on our Patreon family. Revenue from our incredible supporters on Patreon.com slash 2000inch allows us to continue doing what we love, which is making fantastically fun, funny, and family-friendly Weird Al podcasts for you each and every week. We'd absolutely appreciate your consideration in joining our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family for as little as $1 per month. Looking for another way to support the podcast? 
Head over to shop.2000inch.com for official Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, tank tops, face coverings, pillows, and so much more. Find us online at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com where you can find information about our guests and listen to past episodes like episode 15inch where we first interviewed a Mystery Science Theater 3000 host, Jonah Ray. Please join our Facebook group by heading to group.2000inch.com for episode discussions and other exclusive content. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram via at 2000inch and at youtube.2000inch.com. Be sure to share our posts and tell your friends to gill and chill. We love it when our listeners leave us voicemail on our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula. Give it a call, and you might even hear your message on the air. The 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, is sponsored by Angel Valenzuela and David Cash, two amazing Weird Al fans and podcast supporters. You can catch our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Whichever you choose, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you do not miss any episodes. Brand new episodes are released every Wednesday. We will soon begin airing our series of bonus episodes where we sit down with John Bermuda Schwartz and go page by page, picture by picture, inch by inch, MC by MC through his book, Black and White and Weird All Over. Time is running out for you to grab the book if you want to be able to follow along with those episodes. Plus, it makes a great gift to give someone for daylight savings time. And remember, don't set your clocks ahead this week. That's not till next week. Thank you once again to our guest this week, Mike Nelson. Also want to give thanks to Dr. Demento, Zeb Lemke, Allison Parsons, Samantha Evans, Eric Rhodes, Jacinta Lang, Christian Portwine, The Eligible Spatulers, The Minnesota Historical Society, and of course to Jim Kimo West for our incredible theme song. We want to thank all of our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who made this episode and podcast possible. Well, Ethan, I know that your favorite number is number eight, but you never asked me what my favorite number was. Oh, Dave, I'm so sorry. Oh, how could I be so impolite? Dave, what is your favorite number? Well, thank you for asking. I thought you never would. Originally, my favorite number is eight. Then I switched it to 13, and now I tell everybody it's 27. But honestly, that's not my real true favorite number. It's not? What is your true favorite number, Dave? I'm on the edge of my seat! All right, don't tell anyone, but my true favorite number is 3.14159-265-358-973-238-4626-4338-327-9. That was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 96-inch. And that was also Dave and Ethan's Weird Al 2000-inch podcast. Who's that now? They're like, what? How did, that's Darth Vader. How do you not know who that is?